0: You're tuned in to the Dopey Show on radio, from the press box to press row. I am your host, Donald Ware. Happy Father's Day weekend. As a matter of fact, what has become tradition here on from the press box to press row, uh, I have my father as a guest on the program, and so he is going to join us in a couple of minutes today here on the program. Of course, played his collegiate football at Howard University, also officiated in the CIAA, a football official in the CIAA for 31 years and had a brief stint with the Redskins as well. So look forward to this each and every year. Of course, last week didn't have a chance to talk about the Golden State Warriors winning their second, count them two in a row, NBA championships. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that today here on the program. Of course, NBA free agency impending always an interesting time as LeBron James quite frankly has been a in essence has been a free agent the last couple of years it just was a situation last year he signed essentially two-year deals with a player option for the second year but this year um, he could go as a matter of fact he definitely could go Um, I, I think that you know one of the thoughts I always had was that Cleveland was a possibility. There was a strong possibility in my mind, at least, that he could stay in Cleveland. Now, you know, my mindset has sort of changed a little bit in light of what happened really, um, not really throughout the course of the season, but really more specifically in the NBA Finals where the Cavaliers were swept. No help for LeBron whatsoever. And as a matter of fact, as I'm now going to say, for four years, or for the fourth um, playoff, or fourth final in a row, and really three, in all fairness, Kevin Love essentially disappeared. Um, You know, this is a guy that has to give you more can he carry a team by himself no but is he well and we could we saw that in minnesota even though he scored a bunch of points he was a double double guy not just a double double guy he was a 20 and 10 guy that was a minnesota organization that really didn't win with kevin love even though he was a really good player and here's a guy that they bring over and you need him to step up, and he's had some solid playoff games. But when it comes to the biggest games of the year, meaning the NBA Finals, he has, in essence, been non-existent. And, you know, no Kyrie Irving this year for LeBron James. Obviously, he wanted it out. And the Cavaliers tried to accommodate him, but more so, not really accommodate him. They tried to get some pieces back. No, no need to try to play with a player or try to have a player that wasn't, that didn't want to play. And, and so I don't know now that LeBron James is going to stay in cloud. That was always my thought considering sort of the landscape. And we'll talk more about that as the program rolls on. Let's continue here on From the Press Box to Press Row. It's Father's Day weekend, and what's become a tradition here on From the Press Box to Press Row. I have my father on the line. As a matter of fact, this is the third year that we've done this. His name is Donald Ware, and, uh, you know, he, he played at Howard University, played football as a Howard Hall of Famer, Um, had a, a little bit of a stint there with the Redskins, went on to officiate in the CIAA, football in the CIAA, that is, for 31 years. Years lives in the Washington area, and he joins us. What's going on, Dad?
1: Oh, nothing much. I'm just glad that um, we're able to um, telecast this for the third year, and I look forward to many more years.
0: Yeah, yeah, I do too. So let me, let me. You know, I want to. You, you know, you're a sports aficionado in in some respects, and you know, I'm sure watch the, I know, as a matter of fact, watch the NBA finals. Just your thoughts on what Golden State was able to accomplish the third championship in four years and their second championship in a row. Well,
1: first of all, I think if they can uh, keep the team that they have now, they'll probably win many more uh, championships. I I think it's going to be hard for any team to um, really uh, beat them, uh, even at their worst. Uh, it's, it's, um, it's hard to overtake them. They have so many different weapons. You know, Carry he may be off one one particular day, uh, but then Durant uh, takes over. And um, so they just have many, many superstars, probably have four players that will probably make the Hall of Fame. So I just think that, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of sad that it's over. I, I enjoyed watching them. I mean, it's, it's a fun bunch. They're very enthusiastic and uh they can score some points and and i think their weakness is uh, a bit on defense but i think because of the way they can make three point shots that that makes up for that.
0: Yeah, i mean did, what did you uh, maybe we talked about this a couple of years ago but with Durant coming to Golden State, were, are you on board with that? How do you how do you kind of feel about that and 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 now that he's won this second championship, aren't people going to forget about the fact that uh he he went to Golden State and has now won two, going from OKC, who was a pretty, they were pretty good adversaries at the time.
1: I think that um, uh, each of the players had the opportunity and should have the opportunity to to play where they, they won. Um, uh, certainly uh, him leaving um, Oklahoma City was certainly a disappointment to that particular city but um, they have a right to, to play where they, they want. Uh, he chose uh, Golden State, and they picked him up. Certainly they won um, <clears throat> two championships in a row, three out of four. Uh, I just think it's, a, it's, it's an up-and-coming thing. It's the way it's going to be. Uh, players are not going to stay. They're going to they're go where they can uh, win a championship and, and certainly get you know, more money.
0: Yeah, no question. Before we talk further about some NBA, I want to get your thoughts on the Capitals. Obviously, I mean, you you know, with them winning the, their first ever Stanley Cup, uh, they'd been in the league, uh, what, 44 years, and then now have, have won it. What, what's what's the vibe been like there in Washington?
1: It's been uh, tremendous. Uh, certainly uh, since the Redskins won their last Super Bowl, I believe it was 92 or so, you haven't had a national championship, and uh, that uh, this really uh, king size for this particular uh, DMV, this area. And um, I first I didn't think that they would um, would go far in the playoffs because it had you know so many disappointing you know uh, post seasons. But um, after they beat uh, the Penguins, Pittsburgh. Then I sort of changed my mind. I say, well, you know, they usually lose to them, but this year they they beat them. I think four games to two. So I think that gained some momentum for the the um, for the team. It gained uh, momentum for the um, for the city, for the fans, and I think they just took it from there. Even though they had a, um, a pretty rough time there with Tampa and um, Las Vegas, um, it was tougher than the four, the one games that the the outcome was. So I think that um, the vibe is here. uh, They're looking forward to next season uh, to win a championship. They can keep the nucleus of the team that they have now. Uh, Certainly they need to do something with the coach. I understand that his contract is up, but uh, it would do them good if they could keep him. Uh, because you don't want to start with a new coach because a new coach comes in, even though you may have the nucleus of the same team, uh, it's different expectations and therefore the players may not uh, receive the new coach as well as they have with the, the coach that uh, they have now.
0: How do you feel like uh, the Capitals Championship will rub off on the Redskins, um, on the Wizards, on the Nationals. Doesn't that put pressure on those three teams?
1: No, I don't think so. Uh, Each of the sports are different, the players are different, and uh, certainly the competition is different. I do believe that the Nationals will um, within, if not this season, probably the next couple of years, if they can keep Hopper, I believe they can win the World Series. For the the Wizards and for the Skins, uh, they need to... um, get some additional players. I think that the Wizards, in order for them to go further into the playoffs, they need to compete against teams like Golden State, um, Boston, Cleveland. And to me, they don't have that team to do that. They don't have the bench, and they really don't have the starting five that's going to compete with, with, with those teams. As far as the Washington Redskins are concerned, uh, I think it'll be a while. Um, it's it's hard to you know the Philadelphia is always tough. The Giants are always tough, and certainly the the, the Cowboys. This Eastern Division is very very uh, tough. It's very competitive. I just don't think that we have the personnel to compete within our own division uh, this upcoming year. Uh, they, certainly, they play six games. I think there will probably be two and four. I don't see them being five and one or six and zero, and a lot of the Redskins fans are going to say, "Yeah, we're going to go sixteen and zero, we're going to win the Super Bowl." But uh, to be realistic about it, no one is a, a more fan to the Redskins than I am. But I have to be realistic about it. I just don't think they have the personnel to do it. Certainly, they acquired a new um, quarterback, uh, Smith, I think is his, his last name, and. Uh, I believe he came from, I forgot what what team he was. Kansas,
0: uh, he, uh, Kansas City.
1: Kansas City. But I, I just don't think that um, trading the quarterbacks is going to make a difference. You have a quarterback who they got rid of who's 30 years old. They bring in a quarterback who's 34. And uh, I don't think it's much of a difference. I think that uh, the quarterback uh, that they,
0: they had
1: it was pretty good. I mean, if you don't... If your receivers are going to drop the ball and the defense is going to let you move down the field 80 yards in and, and a minute and a half to win the game, the you, you, quarterback is not going to make the difference. I think the difference is, is getting a defense that can get on the field three and off.
0: It is the Father's Day edition of From the Press Box to Press Row. I'm your host, Donald Weir, joined on the line by my father, Donald Weir, as we've done for the third year now here on the program. Before we move on to something else, you know, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, who's better between when you talk about greats of all time and the the main conversation and you, you can throw some other people in there, but it's been between who's better between Michael Jordan or LeBron James. Um I, I want to get you know it's different eras. Um both can be great. Why does one have to be better than the other? But I want to kind of get your your thoughts as, as one who, uh, uh, you know, maybe older school? I mean, who, who do you think the better player is?
1: Well, uh, you didn't name the player that I would have chosen as the best of all times. I would think that that uh, Will Chamberlain um, was. Um, he had all the uh, scoring titles. Uh, he scored uh, average 50 points uh, in one season. His overall average, I think, for the years that he played was – in the 30s um he blocked shots he didn't win the championships that um that jordan won but i think that um i think he's the best player of all time without a doubt all
0: right we're gonna do this we're gonna step aside take a break come back with more of this father's day edition of from the press box to press row we're back after this on last week's, from the press box to press Row with Donald Ware. Pro Football Hall of Famer, Robert Brazil.
1: And I will always be in debt to the Peyton family because of what they did for Jackson State and for Robert Brazil and his family. Walter, we did not have internet. We did not have, a, you know, the idea where you can get, pick up a telephone and read about this and get these stats. Walter bought the scouts and the NFL to Jackson State. And in turn, they found out that, wow, there's other great ball players on this team.
0: From the Press Box to Press Row is one of the hottest sports talk shows in the country. Join Donald each week as he takes you on a journey through the world of HBCU sports and pro sports and interviews with top sports and entertainment figures. That's from the Press Box to Press Row each week on your favorite station. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. We're back on this Father's Day edition of From the Press Box to Press Row. I'm your host, Donald Ware, joined by my father, Donald Ware also was played his collegiate football at Howard's, the Howard Hall of Famer, um, also officiated in the CIAA for 31 years and had a stint uh, with the Redskins. So I, I know you mentioned on the other side, Wilt Chamberlain, you thought is the best player, I think is the best player of all time. Now, who do you think is better between Jordan and LeBron James?
1: I, I think that... Um james is i I, th- I think he is because uh the numbers are relatively the same and i think a lot of people are stating that jordan is better because he won more championships but you know this winning is not not just uh should be the determinant factor james doesn't you know uh, really have a team to, to work with um you know he's he's never had more than one superstar at a time on on his team. Jordan was loaded with superstars, and Jordan was, um, was uh, a was um, I, I guess a point guard or number, number two man where uh, James had to take over that spot because he really didn't have anyone to really bring the ball up, and he had to do all it all. He had to play offense, defense, bring the ball up, rebound. And Jordan didn't have to do that. And even though he might have done that at times, he didn't have the same type of pressure. So I, I think that James is, is a better um, all-around player than Michael Jordan.
0: So let, let, let's let's talk a little bit. Um, matter of fact, I know you were telling me a couple of months ago and, um, you know, former Redskins grade and, and front office man, Bobby Mitchell, I think you, you were telling me he was at the house maybe a couple of months ago, um, or so, which is actually, um, actually pretty cool. But, you know, talk a little bit about that. He, he was the one who scouted and signed you out of Howard, right?
1: Uh, as I believe that he did, uh, we, uh, had, uh, gone down to Morehouse, to Atlanta, to, to play Morehouse, um, college. I think it was my, uh, senior year. It was a night game and, and, um, we the next morning Sunday we saw him at the um airport, and um he was walking through you know he was a suit and briefcase and so forth and a lot of the team my my teammates recognized him, and we gathered around and we talked to him for a bit and so forth and so on. so during that, I never knew that he was down to to um to scout me, and I didn't find that out until some some time later that uh, he was, was scouting me. I knew that the, the NFL um, was was looking at me, but I didn't know. You never know when they are looking at you because they don't want you to be nervous because of the, the scouts are in the stands and so forth and so on. They just want you to play your natural game. So I found out some several months later that he had scouted me uh, down in Atlanta uh, against Morehouse. And luckily, I, I think <laughs> that particular game, I think I, I got... Um, I think I got um, two interceptions.
0: Yeah, so how's he? That's pretty cool. So I mean, it's pretty cool a guy like that, you know, Pro Football Hall of Famer, um, just sort of comes by the house.
1: Yes, um, uh, I reconnected with Bobby. I hadn't um, uh, talked to him uh, several years, uh, lost contact, and then through uh, mutual friends, we uh, we were able to uh, reconnect. We um, invited him over to the to home in, in Bowie. He and his wife, and, um, and a, a couple of other couples. In fact, Fred Valentine and his wife also came. Uh, Fred Valentine, a Baltimore Orioles, Washington Senators, uh, you know, professional baseball player. So we uh, reconnected and, and came over, and um, they all came over, and we enjoyed dinner together. And since that time, I've, I've kept in touch with him.
0: You mentioned. Um being scouted at that time and that was you know 1969 or so um by the the national football league and then would you have thought maybe some 25 to 30 years later you'd be scouted again by the national football league this time and and as a in to try to become an official is, is what i'm trying to say
1: right right um yeah, you know, uh, first of all, when 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 I finished my playing days, I played a little bit of triple A, you know, touch football in Virginia, and DC, around the area, and 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 so forth. I um I would always get on the officials because they would call pass interference, and I was saying to them, it wasn't pass interference. I hit the ball before I hit my body hit the um, receiver, and so forth and so on. So one of the officials challenged me and asked me that, well, maybe you need to come out and officiate, officiate. And I took him up on that, and I and I did. And uh, and I started uh, uh, with uh, EBO, Eastern Board of Officials in Washington, D.C. I can't remember the year, but I officiated uh, uh, both uh, football and baseball for the inner city for at least 25 years. And then from there, I was invited down to the CIAA, officials camp, where I joined them, I believe, in nineteen eighty three, eighty one, 81, or something like that. Then I officiated for 31 years. So, um, no, I never thought that I would, uh, you know, be officiating. And then on top of that, I was scouted by um, the NFL. Uh, Jerry Seaman was the, was the um, supervisor of officials and um i, I was um, able to um get a call from from him as a couple of you know letters correspondence to come up to new york up to um forty eighth and park avenue where the headquarters i believe is still there and um i had to uh, i went up there for uh, a final interview but um it was two openings for downfield officials meaning side judge back judge or field judge and uh there was two other fell one from the um uh i think it was from this from a c c and the other fell fella was from um uh the southeast conference and uh they were were chosen we had a dental scores um when they rate you we had a possible seven and we all had uh i think a six point seven or something like that so they wanted to um they needed some officials so we went up for interview and so forth and so on. But I think the deciding factor, as it was explained to me, is that um, the, the crowd, you know, CIAA is basically a, a smaller conference. You don't have many um, spectators in attendance. You may have maybe up to 10,000. Maybe at a homecoming, a classic, you may have 25,000. <clears> but you compare that with the ACC and the South Southeast conference you know on a scrimmage they have 35 and 40,000 uh, spectators so doing a normal game they're going to have at least 50 and they felt the NFL officials felt that uh with the the, the crowd the noise that uh, they would be a, a better fit at this time they did advise me to to try to uh, move on to a, a larger conference uh, such as the ACC and in the Southeast Conference, but I wasn't able to. And I continued on, you know, with the CIAA until my my retirement, I believe, in uh, 2014, I believe it was.
0: Yeah, well, you know, that's an interesting point because... You know, we've seen and I know it's it's a little bit of it's a well, not a little. bit, It's a difference between officials and players. But we've seen throughout the history of the National Football League that some of the better players that have played in the National Football League went to smaller schools and not just HBCUs. Um, so, you know, I mean, is it does it really make that much of a difference for an official that just because you officiated in a smaller conference it went against you when they were selecting uh, these officials?
1: I I don't think so. I believe that I could have uh, uh, been a very good official in the NFL. Uh, I had, uh, at that time, uh, I think I was about, mm, I forgot how old I was, but I mean, I had pretty good speed. I I knew the game. I, I knew the game of football because I coached it at the college level. And I played it certainly played at the college level, but, um, you know, um, I officiated at, at that level and, and you coached at that level. So I had a good understanding of the game and, um, you know, the attitude of the coaches, the players, when to throw a flag, when not to throw a flag, what you look for, what you don't look for, what you let the players get away with. I thought I would have been a good official, uh, but, you know, I, I never know now. But I thought I would have made a, a good official, and uh, because aside from just officiating the game and taking the tests and all that, you have to have a good understanding of the game. You can't just uh, you know read a book, and then you 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 become an official. I think becoming a really good official is one who who is a student of the game, one who has coached the game. And, uh, one who has certainly officiated the game. So I, I had all those things and I, th- I felt that I would be a very good, uh, very good official. So, uh, not making it to that level and not being able to move up to a, a Division One school, if, if you will. Uh, but I was completely satisfied with, um, you know, that being the case, I was satisfied with the, uh, CIAA. C-I-A-A is, a, uh, CIAA is a very strong, a conference, it puts out very good players. The competition is good. The crowds, no, not not that big, but a, a few folks that uh, we have at the game certainly make a lot of noise.
0: This is the Father's Day edition of further Press Box to Press Row. I am your host Donald Ware talking with my father Donald Ware. I want to remind you that the HBCU Football Daily Podcast. Begins this Tuesday, this Tuesday. Log on to our website at BoxToRow.com. First up is Edward Waters. And as a matter of fact, the head football coach of Edward Waters, Greg Ruffin, is going to join us on the daily podcast this Tuesday. You can download or listen to the podcast at BoxToRow.com. More on the other side. Continuing with this special Father's Day edition of From the Press Box to Press Row, talking with my father, Donald Ware, and, of course, we were talking about uh, on the other side or where we left off about your career as an official in the CIAA. And your crew was selected to officiate the, the the NCAA Division II National Championship game in 2004, which is a pretty big honor.
1: Yes, uh, that was the um, the first selection of a CIAA school Since 1992, and uh, certainly my crew was selected in 2004. Um, We were a very good crew. That was the first year that we went into a seven-man with the addition of the back judge, because previously I was a side judge. So that was my first year as a back judge, and um, we had a had a very good crew. We the gang was in Huntsville, I believe Huntsville, Florence, Alabama at uh, Alabama uh, Alabama State uh, University, and a uh, big crowd. It must have been a crowd of, um, I don't know, about 40,000, 50,000. And, um, you know, that was probably one of the best officiated uh, games that, uh, that my crew has had and probably uh, any other championship games. So, uh, you know, that was a great experience. We had uh, my particular crew that particular crew of seven, uh, we officiated, I think, three or four CIAA championship games along with other Division II championship games where we had to go up towards Boston and and West Virginia and uh, officiate teams in other conferences. So uh, that was a, a joy because I look back, and um, and officiating those games is no different, or no more difficult than officiating games with the CIAA.
0: Father's Day edition, a special edition of from the press box to press row, with my father Donald Ware talking a little football. And and lastly, because uh, we got to run, but I want to you know take you back. What do you remember most about those days? You played four years at Howard, essentially a starter for. Uh, four years. What do you remember most about uh, those days in, in starting uh, or playing football at Howard?
1: Let me see. Uh, a lot of good memories. No really bad memories. Uh, I think uh, what I um, remember the most was my freshman year. And I wasn't starting the first two or three games. I complained to the coach that I felt I should be starting. And um, so when I practiced that day, he had told the um, other players that uh, I felt I was better than them. He overdid it. And then we had this this drill where they each run at you and try to knock you out of the circle. So that was sort of a a punishment, but um, I withstood that. But we had a game that particular Saturday against Delaware State, and I was on the bench, of course, like I did the uh, first three games. And then um, one of the linebackers was getting beat on a, a flare pad to uh, Delaware's back. So he called me in to play linebacker, in fact. And I remember number 66 for Delaware State was all CIAA. And uh, he was just lifting me up and just dumping me on my head. They were getting five and six yards to carry. And there's nothing I can do because I didn't wait for about 175 and the guard in front of me must have been wearing about two thirty or so, and he was very experienced. And me being a freshman, I wasn't. But I remember on a particular play, this back that was uh, beating our linebacker. Um, it was a pass play, so I thought of. I looked at the guard in front of me. He stepped forward, then he jockeyed back for pass protection, so I, I sort of went back in the zone, but I looked through and saw the little back that was coming out of the backfield beating our linebacker. I saw him flaring out to the to the sideline, and I cut, and just as the ball got to him, I reached in and caught it. I ran 62 yards. They caught me, <laughs> and uh, I started every game since that, that particular catch
0: interception. Well, and then lastly, you know, one of the things I, I, I said lastly, but, you know, I talked about last week, some of the great athletes that have come through through Washington, the, you know, uh, uh, Elgin Baylor's and the Dave Bing's. And, you know, one you grew up with, you know, Austin Carr and so many yourself and then so many others that, uh, you know, that either maybe a lot of people didn't know about or, or weren't mentioned um, You know, what what coming up in your time, what made it so that, you know, Washington was producing such great athletes?
1: Well, because uh, it was, um, you know, it was a lot of competition. Everybody wanted to play football. Everyone wanted to play baseball. Well, not baseball, but basketball. So you had a lot of um, good players. And therefore, when you have a lot of good players, you have a lot of good competition and you develop your game. So a lot of these people like Elgin Bella, Dave Bing, Austin Carr, you know, they developed their games because they had a lot of competition. There were many, many, probably many more other players who could have made it as they did, but they were the lucky ones. So, um, you know, it's, um, it, it's, it's a good thing with the competition. When, when I was in high school, I went out for the football team in, in the uh, 10th grade, 9th grade, even though it was 9th grade in the school, you could not participate in any of the, in the uh, sports. But I remember when I went out for football in a, in a 10th grade, there must be 120 players out there. So you had a lot of, lot of competition, a lot of, comp- a lot of good competition. And you, you weed through, and, and, and the, the better ones are surface to the top and I, I guess I was one of the lucky ones to to, to rise to the top, top. But I think what what helped me become a, a good athlete was the fact that I had an older brother. And then coming up and playing in the D.C. recreational system, I played with, with boys that were two and three years older than me. So in order for me to play football and baseball, I never played basketball, you had to be able to meet their standards so i tried harder but i learned from them and then when i branched off and participated with boys or young men my own age i had a basically had to step on them
0: special father's day edition of from the press box the press row. joined by my father donald Ware, here on the program Uh, as always appreciate it appreciate the conversation and you sharing those stories uh with our listeners and i'll matter of fact i'll see you on sunday
1: well, I'm, I'm looking forward
0: to it. So there you have it. And again, it's become a tradition here on the program. I, I really like hearing those. a lot of those stories I had heard before, and I really like hearing a lot of those stories, of course. Um, I would invite you, as a matter of fact, going back to 2000, 2000, either 2013 or 2014, I did a piece um, uh, or we did a piece on our website at Boxerow.com. It may be in the archive section on our website, or you could Google it. And the piece essentially talked about uh, three generations, if you will, uh, of wares in the CIAA with my father starting out, uh, again, playing at Howard when Howard was in the CIAA and then ultimately going on to be an official, as mentioned, um, as a matter of fact, it, it was the latter part, towards the latter part of 2014, towards the latter part of the football season of 2014, and my son was also playing in the CIAA, and then I had a stint, um, you know, of course, broadcasting basketball and as uh, in 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 athletics communications uh, in the or at a CIAA institution, and so did a piece on that. You can log on to that and uh, to our website, or you'd have to Google it. At this point, we're on a newer platform, and that was four years ago. So you'd have to Google it at this point. But you could Google something like where family, CIAA, something like that, and it would come up. But I I really enjoy hearing uh, a lot of those stories and being able to, in fact, uh, have those stories shared with you. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there as you're tuned into from the press box to press row, want to switch gears a little bit and again no surprise that the golden state warriors are your defending champions i just you know again coming into this coming into this finals i just didn't think that cleveland would be swept i thought lebron james would be able to get enough help but but, i mean you know you can't ask a player but to do so much. I mean in years past, even last year, the series was close 2 years ago, Cleveland ultimately won it and even going back 3 years ago, even though I mean I would I would probably say uh, uh LeBron had less help 3 years ago than he did this past NBA Finals. The difference is 3 years ago Golden State didn't have Kevin Durant and so it was a much more competitive but then you add all basically all of the pieces that Golden State had three years ago and the in my mind at least the preeminent scorer in the NBA and <clears throat> excuse me that just it just spelled doom for Cleveland especially after game one now again coming into this thing I didn't think that the Cavaliers would get swept but I mean, they got you know they got a bad call. The bottom line is they got a bad call in game one and ultimately never recovered. Although I thought they you know they they played strong at spurts or in spurts. Game three, um, a winnable game, a winnable game. Bad execution down the stretch, uh, timely buckets by Golden State and ultimately spelled a four to nothing sweep by the Golden State Warriors and uh, you know uh, just a dominating performance i mean i thought for me when you look at what Steph Curry did the first two games and and then and Durant didn't have a great game one from a from a from a shooting perspective he dropped 26 points in that game he was pretty consistent and then you know, but game three, boy, he—i re- mean, he just came out and and really the forty-point effort that he had solidified, and then he had another good effort, and it really solidified him um, as the MVP. I thought Steph Curry overall, and I and I realized, yes, yeah, Steph Curry didn't play, he didn't shoot. well. it's not that he didn't play well? I think there's a misnomer that in game three, Steph and Clay Thompson didn't play well. It's not that they didn't play well, they didn't shoot the ball well. And um, I, I think with what Kevin Durant was able to do in that game was you know he 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 put himself in the conversation for the finals MVP. I still thought that and then Curry had a good game four. I thought <clears throat> Curry did enough but I think that pivotal that pivotal game where Durant was able to score the 40 in excess of 40 points in the all-around game that he had was was the game that defined him winning the MVP. I mean I I it doesn't, you know, it, it you know, really didn't matter. I mean it, it, I think it further solidifies Kevin Durant's career because you, obviously he caught a lot of backlash. There were a lot of people that were saying, "Okay, well, he's leaving gold he's leaving OKC to join Golden State, where just that year those two teams fought in battle to seven games in the Western Conference Finals. So why not come back and try to overtake them the, the next year? But, you know, again, I'm, I've always been of the opinion for Kevin Durant, uh, you don't want to be Charles Barkley, you don't want to be, you know, Carl uh, 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 Malone and a lot of these really great players of all time. And they don't have a title. It doesn't define your career. But as Herm Edwards famously said, you play to win the game. You play to win championships. And now Kevin Durant not only has one, but he has two. More uh, from the press box to press row on the other side. It's Donald Ware, host of From the Press Box to Press Row. The biggest names our guests on Box to Row. Hey, everybody, what's going on? This is Anthony Anderson, international movie star and funny mother. <laughs> and you're listening from the press box to press row. That is the voice of Kevin Durant. Well, I'm just, you know, trying to get better every single day, and I enjoy playing with a great group of guys. Hey, this is Ronda Rousey. You know what this it is. This is the one and only Eagle double G. Ice Cube has been our guest. Hey, man, thanks for letting me talk a little music, movies, and sports. Hey, my favorite three topics. Hey, say what's happening, man. It's E.I.P., man. Hello, this is Aretha Franklin, the Queen of Soul. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever heard. I've had it- like that. You know, is really focused, just really, you know, excited. Missed any of these interviews? Then check us out online at wwwbox rowcom That's From the Press Box to Press Row, real, relevant radio.
1: It's Donald Ware, From the Press Box to Press Row.
0: So Kevin Durant's legacy... Uh, somewhat cemented. The thing about it, he's still got a lot more basketball left in him. I I read a quote where he said he wanted to play until he was about 35 years old or so. So he's got another five or six years. He's 29 now, start of the next season. Uh, He'll be, he'll be 30, I believe by the start of the next season, but right now he's 29 years old. So five or six more years left to play. And with the nucleus of this team um, staying together, because the owner has said, essentially whatever kd wants we're going to give him that ultimately maybe somewhere down the line i don't know that the warriors are going to be able to pay all of these guys to kind of keep that that nucleus and the way that the team is such a it, you know it's not it's not one of those deals where you can say okay i mean they they do have so much firepower but still it's not a situation where if you take one of the nucleus of those guys meaning the five guys in Thompson, Curry, uh Green, Iguodala and then Durant if you take one of those guys away, I mean I, I think what the Warriors showed is that if you take Iguodala away they can still I mean they can still win um they showed early on that if you didn't have Curry that they could still win but i think going up against some of these other teams and and especially what we may see next year dependent upon where lebron goes again i mean i still don't think it's out of the the realm of possibility that he could stay in cleveland i i think more i think part of the deal is with ownership and with dan gilbert and how well can LeBron and Dan Gilbert continue to coexist. And by the way, f- the the deal that LeBron could now get, if he were to leave Cleveland, I mean, Cleveland can offer him over the lifetime of his next deal, which would be a a uh, would be a four year deal. Uh, LeBron would leave fifty million dollars on the table. In other words, the Cavaliers can pay him fifty million dollars more than anyone else um to a guy like lebron james who's made you know his shoe contract i mean his first shoe contract was a hundred million dollars not to mention all of the all of the money that he's made especially over the last couple of years with these uh signing one year deals and player options for the second and making in excess of 30 million dollars i mean he's made a lot of money but I mean, I'm, you, you know, I, I, it tickles me sometime when people say, well, you 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 made this much money. Why do you need more? Or, you know, are, are you being greedy? I mean, I, I don't I don't want to judge what I don't want to judge anybody. I don't want to judge anybody's bank account. I, I I, know that LeBron did mention the fact that he ultimately wants to be uh, a, 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 a trillionaire uh, and I'm excuse me, a billionaire. So, you know, if you leave 50 million dollars on the table, you're you know, that that's five percent of a billion dollars. So is he willing to leave that much money on the table? Uh, Certainly he can make it up in endorsements. I mean, he's got all kinds of endorsements. He could probably make it up in endorsements. But, you know, 50 million dollars is 50 million dollars. That's that's guaranteed money once you sign that contract. Uh, you know, even if he gets hurt, it's guaranteed money. So is he willing to leave 50 million dollars on the table to go somewhere else? Um, you know, it's interesting. I, I, You know, I think the possibility of him coming to Golden State is ridiculous. Um, you know, could he go to Houston? I mean, I mean it's a possibility. It, it, Chris Paul and LeBron have always wanted to play together. I who saw that Chris Paul would be in Houston next year. And then remember when they, when, when he ultimately was traded, the talk was, can these two guys coexist? Can they play together? Blah, blah, blah. Well, I think they showed that they could. And I mean, they gave golden state all they could handle. And speaking of the nucleus of that team, Yes, Golden State was able to get along without equal dollar, but he made a big difference. Houston went up three games to two, three games to two in that series before Golden State won the last two. Could he come to Houston? It's a possibility. San Antonio just too, too much. Uh, San Antonio is not a stable situation where it is right now. The Lakers, I mean, that's an intriguing thought because he's got a house in la you got a lot of young players out there the the lakers can uh in essence give two max contracts a lot of it may depend upon also where paul george goes i'm i gotta believe that lebron is not willing to go to la to play with that young team and not have um a, a another superstar player and then also probably needs to get, you know, a couple of other veteran players as well. But I really, you know, I know Lonzo Ball didn't have um, a, a great season or the season maybe that was anticipated. A lot of that had to do with injuries. A lot of that had to do with his struggles early on. But, you know, whenever I watched the Lakers, I made sure to watch him every play, meaning defense, off the ball, all of that think he's going to be a really good player and really quite frankly don't think he had a bad season at all he's got some things to work on but you know a lot of these a lot of guys came in the league without a jump shot and ultimately developed one he's got some of those other things good court awareness good ball handling and I think his jump shot is going to be able to develop but that's an intriguing situation as well then if LeBron wants to stay in the east you know the two teams that have been mentioned Philadelphia, I think Philadelphia would want him. Uh, I think I think Philadelphia is solid where it is right now. And you add a LeBron James, and then I think you become an instant contender, although Boston is very, very good. And they were able to do what they were able to do without Kyrie Irving and then all season without Gordon Hayward. So I think Boston and it could now, could he also join? This Boston team, he joins this Boston team. Boy, I tell you, that is a team that would be a team to be reckoned with. Can you see, though, can you see LeBron James in a Boston uniform? And I think, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, I think that, um, you know, he's obviously going to do what's best. But I think I, to me, I still I still think Cleveland's on the table. I, I, they need to get him some help. Kevin Love is still on the contract. He's a nice or a, a decent complimentary piece throughout the course of the season and even in the playoffs. But when it comes to the NBA Finals, he just disappears. And you, you're you going to need a second guy like you had a Kyrie Irving on last year who was able to step up. And then two years ago ultimately hit the big shot in Game 7 that led Cleveland to ultimately come back from down three games to one to win that first nba title that elusive nba title that first title for the city of cleveland in more than 50 years um you know so it's definitely going to be intriguing to see where lebron james goes also uh again talked a little bit about the capitals on last week and the capitals able to have that parade and i, I mentioned um you know a game t- to me last week and if you didn't hear um the show on last week I really had a chance to kind of give my thoughts on the Washington sports scene more specifically the Washington pro sports team and and what this championship meaning the Capitals meant to Washington I think I think that um you know it had been you know 91 92 season when the Redskins won the Super Bowl the last time a Washington pro team won a championship Um, I think that rubs off now, you know, but again, again, the wizards, I think need some help. The nationals are right there. The nationals are right there. Um, They've had good seasons the last couple of years, but they haven't been able to get over the hump. They have not won a pennant. They have not made it to the world series. I think that's the next step. Although to me, they have the team that can win the world series. But then again, they've had the team that can win the world series the last couple of years, but Um, You can log on to our website at BoxToRow.com. BoxToRow.com, I talked extensively um, about in in, in podcast form about, and I think more succinct or succinct than I did on last week, what that championship means to the Washington area and um, its pro sports scene. So I invite you to log on to our website at uh, BoxToRow.com. Of course, NBA draft. Um, is on begins on next week and um, you know some teams can definitely get better through this year's NBA draft. Although I don't know that I'm not sure. You know, you know Phoenix. Boy, I I don't know that Phoenix can get <laughs> how much better Phoenix can get um, this upcoming year with the draft. And just remember, I mean, when you think back, wouldn't it just you know it was just ten years ago or so that. Uh, Maybe a little bit, yeah. Maybe like 10 to 12 years ago. uh, Maybe even a little bit longer than that. That Phoenix was relevant. I mean, really, 10 years ago, uh, when you you know you had Steve Nash and Mike D'Antoni was coaching, and then for them to go from where they were, I mean, they were even somewhat decent. Uh, You know, remember Lindsey Hunter had a stint there as the head coach. Uh, Jackson State's Lindsey Hunter had a stint there as The head coach, they were they were decent, but they just have just fallen off. I mean, Devin Booker is just there, scores a bunch of points um, and he and as good as he is, he's barely known because they are so bad, meaning the Suns. Got to get ready to run here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Thank you to my father, Donald Ware, for joining us today on the program, this special Father's Day edition of From the Press Box to Press Row. Again, a reminder, we're previewing all 50 HBCU playing football playing institutions beginning next week on our HBCU Football Daily Podcast. Log on to our website at box and click on. On the banner marked HBCU Football Daily Podcast on Tuesday, we start things off with Edward Waters. And always remember to support those that support you. From the Press Box to Press Row is presented by DW Communications. Now get to you say, yeah, you're on the road Somebody else.
1: in your
0: eyes the side,
1: that's a nightmare.